Hello, Grace Point. Welcome again from Denver Seminary. And another big thanks to Mike for allowing me to take part in this series on James. The last time I was with you, I shared with you an experience that I had on top of a mountain in Colorado. This morning, I'd like to share with you an experience that I had in the Inglewood Public Library here in town. I was working on a lecture series for my Gospels class, and I only had a small bit of time. And so I raced into the local library in order to get some stuff done. Now, I was coming out of the Colorado heat and the UV rays, and to protect my bald head, I had my hat on, and to protect my eyes, I had my sunglasses on. And as I bolted into the library, I sat down, and before I even had time to unpack, all of a sudden, this man who was experiencing homelessness came up to me, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, man, I know you're Bruno Mars. I didn't even look up at the guy. I had stuff to do, and so I just voiced and said, you got the wrong guy. I thought that'd be enough to deter him, to make him go away. But instead, he leaned in even closer and said, hey, man, I know you're Bruno Mars. This is the first time it really registered to me what he said the first time. And it made me chuckle. And so I said, man, I'm not Bruno Mars. I'm just a basic white dude. You, you got the wrong guy. I thought that would be enough to deter him. Surely he'd go on out at this point. But instead, he leaned in even closer and he whispered and said, it's all right, man. I won't tell nobody. Well, I began to weigh my options, and I thought the best course to get him away from me so that I could get my work done and focus on the Bible uh, would be to disagree with him. So I looked and said, okay, man, thanks. At this point, his eyes went aglow, and this grin just overtook his entire mouth, and he grabbed my hand, and he said, my man. Well, when he said those words, they echoed throughout the library enough to get the attention of the local security guard, and the security guard raced over and he quickly ushered my new friend out of the library. But as they were walking through the doors, I heard my new friend's voice resonate one more time and say, it's all right, man. I was just talking to Bruno Mars. <laughs> I shook my head and got back to work and I opened uh, my Bible to the passage that I was supposed to be working on. And it was Matthew chapter 25. You know the passage is where Jesus is talking about it in days, separating the sheep from the goats. And he says, you know, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you healed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was in prison and you came and visited me. And the people are like, Jesus, when were you sick? When were you an immigrant? When, when were you an alien? When were you naked? When were you hungry? And Jesus, I tell you what, what you did for all of those, you did to me. And at this point where I'm trying to work on my lecture, all of a sudden I feel the Spirit of God say to me, you know what? You look like Bruno Mars to him, but he should have looked like Jesus to you. And rather than working on my lecture, I just kind of sat there and repented. The conviction of God came upon me. You know, and if that's the case where we show discrimination in a public library, how much worse is it when we do it in the church of Jesus Christ? And this is the situation that James is dealing with uh, in his letter. If you remember from last week, uh, Mike talked about how uh, what James says is this is what God really requires. This is true and undefiled religion that you keep yourself from being sullied from the world and that you uh, take care of orphans and widows. And it's almost like James is like, you know what, that, that's really important. Let's talk and zoom in a little bit more on what it means to take care of the poor and the powerless, because what is happening sometimes in our church is that we are discriminating against them. 
And so if you have your Bibles, get them and turn to James chapter 2, where James is going to talk about discrimination. And we'll look at this uh, with three major points before we take it home to the application. We'll look and we'll talk about how discrimination it is inconsistent with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only is it inconsistent, but we'll see that discrimination, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. And then finally, we'll look and see how James is going to say not only is discrimination uh, inconsistent, not only is it uh, illogical, but it is immoral. And we're going to be judged by how we discriminate against other people. Well, let's look, first of all, at this idea of discrimination being uh, inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says this, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you say favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another one comes in poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give a special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can just stand over there, just sit on the floor. Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. The word of the Lord. May it be on our minds, implanted in our hearts, and ever upon our lips. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to walk through this passage and then continue to add as we go through it. But the first point is the main point that James is making is that we shouldn't show favoritism. Now, this word favoritism was so important that it's been coined by the early church, maybe specifically about Paul. Um, but uh, he's going to emphasize this in a number of ways. First of all, he begins by saying, hey, brothers and sisters, if you remember from my last sermon, if you were with us then, uh, this is a device that writers would use to say, hey, it, Come back to me. I want you to make sure that you understand what I'm saying. And so he appeals to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he's going to emphasize it that way. And the second way he's going to emphasize it, he's going to put this word at the very beginning. No partiality, no favoritism, no discrimination. And so here he's going to use the word favoritism. Uh, but of course, when he uses the favoritism, he's also looking at the other side of the coin. And so on the one hand, to show favoritism to someone else is to discriminate against Someone else. And so this is going to be the main command that's going to govern our passage for today. Don't show partiality. Don't discriminate. Don't prejudge. And for James, he wants us to understand that discrimination, it is inconsistent with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And for James, if you have the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in one hand, you can't have discrimination in the other. Or maybe even better than this, uh, the, God, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, it's so big that you shouldn't have room for anything else. And if your faith has room for other things, then your faith is too small. And so James comes, and uh, I, I read the New Living Translation, but the Greek um, has this idea of don't have faith in the glorious Jesus, faith in the glorious Jesus Christ, and then also think that you can have favoritism or partiality. What's wrong with favoritism and partiality? I, on my sabbatical, I went to Wake Forest and we spent it there and uh, we didn't have, we were on a sabbatical budget, so we were pretty poor, uh, just barely making it. And we didn't bring any fancy clothes. We just brought all we that we needed for that semester. Well, one of my friends, uh, Greg Gerald, who's a musician, had gotten a really highfalutin gig. 
And uh, it was for a thing called Champagne and Chefs, where all of the top chefs of uh, the Raleigh, uh, Wake Forest, uh, and um, Chapel Hill and uh, uh, came together uh, to compete against one another. And it was for uh, this cancer research, all the money. And the tables uh, to go there was over hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But um, because he was a musician, he comped us and said, hey, I know you're in Wake Forest. So would you and your wife like to do a date night? And we're like, yeah. But we didn't have any fancy clothes, especially for something like this. Uh, we didn't have any money to go buy fancy clothes. And so we've been getting to hit the charity shops. And I think both of our outfits total that we found was like 20 bucks. And we knew that as soon as we walked in those doors, they were going to smell lower middle class all over us. But we still had to try. And so uh, we, uh, Greg had put our name on the list. And so we went there and we saw all these people walking in. It was like a red robe event. Uh, and uh, they, they looked like all movie stars. And here we were uh, just smelling ourselves because we had popped those tags. And as we uh, go in, uh, we have to give them our name. And we just knew they were just going to throw us out. So I went to the lady. I was like, yeah, I uh, have a reservation for Dr. Dotson. And when I said that, she was like, oh, okay. But apparently another woman had heard this and she raced over full sequence. Her dress probably cost more than our house. And she looked and said, you're Dr. Dotson? And I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, I've been wanting to meet you for so long. And I was like, who is this woman? And she's like, I just really love your research and the journal articles that you've written. And now I'm really intrigued because no one reads my research. No one looks at my journal articles. I'm like, who is this woman? And she's like, hey, come with me. I'll take you. We, we want you and your wife to sit at the very front and center at a table of honor. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And so as we're going, she's telling us about all of the, the program and everything that happened. And uh, finally, she gets the point. And she says, so when did you meet Aaron? I didn't know anybody named Aaron. And I was like, I'm sorry. She's like, when, when did you meet Aaron? And I was like, I don't know Aaron. She's like, isn't Aaron the one who got you to come here? And I was like, no, my friend Greg Gerald, he, he's the musician. He gave us this. And then she had a look of confusion on her face, similar to the look that we had the whole time. And she said, uh, are, are you not Dr. John Dotson? I was like, no, I'm Dr. Joseph Dotson. At this point, she goes, ah, oh. and she began to crawl dead back really quick. And she's like, oh, oh, you're just here with the musicians. Um, Okay, we, you need to have a seat in the back, not at the table of honor, but in the back. And so all of a sudden we went from just feeling really good and like, wow, we're we're so important to being shamed and feeling less than everyone else. All the more. James wants the church to understand how important it is for us to see that discrimination, it's in contradistinction to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He does so, as we mentioned, by sharing like, hey, brothers and sisters, I want you to pay attention to this. He does so by putting the no partiality at the very beginning of the verse. But then thirdly, he does so by giving us this hypothetical situation that may not be that hypothetical. If you look at verses two and three, it says, if a man comes in uh, with uh, great jewelry and shiny clothes, uh, and then a poor person comes in in dirty clothes, and you say to the rich man uh, with shiny clothes, hey, you come and sit here, that'll be great. Uh, but to the poor person, you say, ah, oh, you go sit over there, you can sit under my feet. Don't you know that in your discrimination, uh, there are evil motives? And so James says, hey, I want you to understand this hypothetical situation, uh, but this hypothetical, it may be a hypothetical situation, may not be, it may be a caricature. James may be showing us the extremes. I just kind of pointed out because for most of us, there would never be that extremes, but there's a lot of subtle discrimination, shades of prejudice, shades of favoritism throughout the church. But we need to understand that just because there's shades doesn't mean uh, that it is not inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although I've seen this, uh, I was visiting a church and uh, the local uh, new college 
president that was visiting the church. He was trying to decide where he and his family was going to land. And you could just feel the buzz of everyone like, ah, the president, he's here. Um, and as soon as the service was over with, uh, they flocked to him and they were shaking his hand and inviting him for dinner and almost like, please pick us, pick us, not, not the other Baptist church down the road. Come to us, come to us. And uh, which, which is great. It's fine. I'm glad that they were showing uh, this president love. But I noticed that there was another visitor uh, across the way that it was obvious that he was not of the same social economic status um, as most other people in the church. There's not a single person around him. And I felt like, you know, that's the person that God would run to. That's the person that Jesus Christ would flock around. That's the person that the Holy Spirit would say, you're welcome in this place. Come and be a part of me. And so James comes and he says, I want you to see how inconsistent this is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a friend uh, who's passed away now. His name is Bob Hamilton. Bob had been incarcerated. Uh, he uh, had tattoos on his forearms of knives with blood uh, coming off. He was part of Hell's Angels, had a terrible uh, backdrop of his life, backgrounds. But uh, one day God just got a hold of him and he felt this compelled compulsion to hear the gospel, to go to church. And so he went to this church and he said, Joey, I want you to know I was really dirty. I was really stinky. I looked really rough. Um, and, but, but I felt called to go to a church to, to hear the gospel. And I went to the first church that I saw. And as I went to that church, um, the deacons met me at the front door and said, no, 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 you're not welcome here. You need to go find another church. And they shut the doors. And he said, I sat down and I was just downcast and sad. And I just was talking to God and said, God, man, I tried to come to church, but they wouldn't let me in. And he said, I felt God say to me, that's okay. They won't let me in either. You see, when we choose not to open the door to the poor and to the powerless and those who look different to us, then we are closing the door on God. It's inconsistent. If you don't believe me, look at what Paul said, what James says next in verse five. He comes and says, hear this, my beloved brothers and sisters. If you're with me a few weeks ago, you remember the escuchame or this is going to be on the test. Uh, here, once again, we have it. I'm um, even stronger than what we saw earlier. Uh, this word, akuo, is from the Hebrew shema. And it's not just to hear, uh, but it's to absorb. It's to let this penetrate your heart so that it propels you to action. And so when he comes, he says, hear. He's saying, I want you to hear. I want you to absorb. And I want it to drive you to action. My beloved brothers and sisters, bring it back in. Make sure you're with me. Make sure you're following this. And then he backs it up with these rhetorical questions. Look at what he says here at verse 5. Did not God choose the poor in the world to be rich in faith? Did not God choose the poor uh, in the world to be heirs of his kingdom, which he's promised to those who loved him? And both of these, both of these questions have this resounding, yes, yes, he did choose the poor in the world. Yes. Yes, he did choose the poor to be heirs of the world and to be rich in faith. Yes, yes, yes. And so here we come and then James drops the bomb and says, but you dishonor the poor. God is the one who chooses. God rushes to the poor. Not only does he rush to the poor, but when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be incarnate, he didn't come as rich and powerful. When he sent his son, Jesus Christ, he didn't come as middle class. When he sent his son, Jesus Christ, he came as a poor man, as a carpenter in no name Nazareth, where Jesus Christ comes and says, hey, I want you to understand the son of man is homeless. He has no place to lay his head. God chooses the poor but we shut the door to them. God chooses the poor, but we discard them. God chooses the poor, but we neglect them for the sake of those who are rich. And Paul, James comes and says, hey, this is inconsistent with the gospel. And not only is this, this, not only is it inconsistent, but it's also illogical to discriminate. 
Look at what he says next, at the picking up in verse six. But these rich people that you're showing favoritism to, aren't they the ones who exploit you? These rich people that you are flocking to, aren't they the ones who are dragging you into court? These rich people, aren't they the ones who are blaspheming the, the beautiful name by which you call yourself the name of Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. Now here James is talking about rich unbelievers. Uh, he's not talking about rich Christians. We know Jesus was supported by rich Christians. Paul was supported by rich uh, Christ followers. And uh, honestly, I love rich Christians. They're the most, some of the, the rich Christians I know, the most generous Christians that I've ever met. And so this is not a battle between the rich and the poor, but instead, uh, James is wanting us to understand that these rich unbelievers that they, the church is rushing after, they are looking out for themselves, not for the church. I mentioned again a few weeks ago that I'm apolitical. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. Uh, but as a student of history, I find it very interesting how often the church has such a tendency to give so much stock uh, to a political party or to the rulers, uh, not understanding that many of those who are in charge of whatever convention or whatever powers, they're, most of those, many of them are not looking out for us. They're not caring about you. Instead, they're really most concerned with power and the money, money and the power, minute after minute, hour after hour, all of them running, but none of them are looking. Something's going on in the kitchen, but we don't know what's cooking. And it's interesting where James comes and says, hey, you know what? These people, they're, they're not looking out for you. And again, this is not to be a, I'm against uh, the rich people. This is not him, us calling for a vendetta to be mean to them, but he's just showing the inconsistent, how it doesn't make sense that we're going to, uh, not flock nearly as much to our brothers and sisters in Christ who who know Christ um, and at the same time give favor to those who don't, who are the ones who are oppressing us. And so again, it's not throwing mud at the rich as much as he's saying, hey, I want you to see how inconsistent it is because God is the one who has chosen the poor. Therefore, let's make sure that our actions in our synagogues, in our life is consistent. And not only is discrimination inconsistent, not only is it uh, illogical, but it's also immoral. In verses 8 through 13, he's going to introduce uh, this royal law, um, the royal law of loving your neighbor as yourself. You've heard it before. Remember in Jesus where uh, the scribe comes and says, yo, Jesus, what's the number one commandment? Jesus, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy's like, hey, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is like, oh, oh I know you didn't. He drops a good Samaritan on them. Remember that? Uh, this is the same verse that Paul's going to come. It's Leviticus 19.18. And Paul says, hey, you want all the laws of the Old Testament? They are summed up in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus drops this. Paul drops this. And here James drops this. And he says, I want you to understand that when you discriminate, you break the royal law, the number one command of God. This is what you're doing. You're breaking it. And so breaking the royal law, not loving your neighbor as yourself, it is immoral. It is a sin. The Greek word here really is transgressor or trespasser. It's probably stronger than the word sin. And he says, I want you to know, and so, like, before he gave us this hypothetical situation, here he's going to give us this reason. It's like, hey, don't you know that if you break one of the law, you break all of the law? Don't you know that uh, if you commit, a, if you, the Bible says don't commit adultery, it says don't commit murder. But if you just do one of those and you've already broken the law, the same thing happens when you break the royal law. 
You remember with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, his greatest hit, he comes and says, you know what, you guys are worried about do not murder, do not murder, do not murder. But I tell you, if you're angry in your heart at your brother, uh, then you've committed murder against them. So Jesus is going to say that uh, anger is tantamount or it's like I'm um, committing murder. Here, James is going to come and say, showing discrimination is like committing murder. Showing favoritism to the rich while you're neglecting your poor brothers and sisters, that is tantamount to adultery. You have become a law breaker. And I want you to understand, discriminating breaks the royal law. Breaking the royal law is a big sin, and big sins lead to big judgment. This is the first time that James is going to talk about the final judgment of God. It takes us back to the beginning of the sermon where uh, I was naked. I was a visitor. I was a stranger. I was uh, not really looking like I was part of your church, and that's who I was. Uh, Here, James is going to come and say, I want you to understand that at the judgment, this law is what you're going to be judged on. It's going to be judged on how you loved your neighbor as yourself. And if you did not show mercy to them, then God's not going to show mercy to you. Lord, have mercy. James is going to come and say that, hey, I want you to understand this is serious. when we discriminate against the poor. Discrimination, it's inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Discrimination, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense for us to give favoritism. And neglect those to whom God chose. And it is thirdly immoral. When we break this sin, when we show favoritism and partiality, when we discriminate and have prejudice against, we break the royal law and we're going to have to face the consequences. But we need to understand that mercy, it triumphs over this judgment. So let us choose to be merciful for blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. All right. Now that we've looked at this passage, we have to ask the question, so what? What in this passage relates to us? What is it that God wants to take off the pages of this and put it on our hearts? Well, one thing that we know in America is that discrimination often falls not just along poverty lines, but also racial lines. Now, this is not unusual just America. We see this even going back to the early church uh, when we see them elect the deacons. We see it in Paul's church. Um, whether or not it's happening in James's church, we're not quite sure, but there's still that natural application. Now, especially in light of Floyd and Arbery and Taylor, uh, I want to talk about racial discrimination among black and white lines. Now, if you're an African-American brother or sister listening to this right now, uh, please know that I know that I'm not the main voice that needs to be talking on this. I understand that I need to be like on drive time sports where they ask a question and then they're just going to hang up and listen. Uh, I understand that. But I want to talk about uh, this racial division despite that for three reasons. Uh, one is that it's just a natural application of this passage. Uh, we see uh, discrimination that's happening in the first century. And so uh, I didn't choose this passage. I didn't choose this topic. Uh, Mike asked me about a month ago before um, all of the, the, the problems uh, arose. Uh, and so we think this is the sovereignty of God that's led us to this. And secondly, simply, Mike asked me to do it. And I do everything Mike asks except for root for that terrible team uh, that he has. And then thirdly, uh, because I, even though I am not qualified to talk about this on a national level and how to solve this uh, society-wide uh, I do think I want to talk about it because I really think that the problem that's happening in our world come back to us as a church. If you want to know who's to blame for the racial division, it's not the president. It's not this party or that party. It's not that group or this group. The problem, the blame falls on us as the church. Because each Sunday, those of us who are called to be the light of the world, those of us who are called to be the salt of the world, we are divided by racial divisions. We who come and say that in Christ there's neither black nor white, Greek nor Jew, Asian or Hispanic. 
Each week, we meet together differently, set apart from them. And when we do that, we testify to the world that as long as white folks are worshiping white folks and blacks with blacks and Asians with Asians and Hispanics with Hispanics, we tell the world that the color of our skin unites us more than the blood of Jesus Christ. And my brothers and sisters, that's not the way it should be. And God has called us to preach a gospel, not just that Christ came to save you from your sins, not that Christ came just to deliver you from hell. Those are true. But Christ came to reconcile, to tear down the walls of racism. He's called us to do that. And what has happened is that we've made the gospel just about saving souls. And we've disconnected that from the idea of mishpat, of justice. And I know some of you are like, whoa, 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 you're getting into social justice. No, no, no. I'm talking about what James is talking about here. I'm talking about taking care of orphans and widows. I'm talking about not discriminating against the poor. This is what I'm talking about. And what has happened is that when you separate uh, saving souls from this type of mishpat, this type of justice, it's like taking my head off of my body. The gospel, when you separate those two, the gospel dies. It's all in scripture that Christ came not just to reconcile us to God, but also to reconcile those from far and near, those who have racial hostility, to bring them together and the one man, Jesus Christ. And please understand this. The one man, Jesus Christ, is not a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. He is the image of God that he's calling us together um, to, to bring together this polychromatic picture of the image of God. And we've come and we've made it to the point where we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Those people are welcome. That that race is welcome. Everyone's welcome as long as they like to worship like we worship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, 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 come on. Uh, you, you're welcome to come to our church, but as long as you like the preaching that we like. And we come and we'll say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you, you're welcome as long as you basically are just like us. That's not welcome. That That's not what God is calling us to be. Now, I know in Northwest Arkansas, you have like 0.88% um, blacks. And so don't think that, okay, whoa, 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 since we don't have blacks, then, then we get a free pass. Because what this black-white divide that has happened nationwide is telling us is that there's discrimination all around the place. So I want to ask you, are there people in your neighborhood of a different race that are not coming to your church, that are going to their own churches, or that are divided from you? There, there are. There's 10%. There's Northwest Arkansas is 90% white, but there's 10% of other races. And how well are you doing at bridging that divide between them? How do we do this? Well, I think, first of all, we have to be spirit-led. I think we have to understand that the United States is always going to be divided as long as the church is not united. And if we can expect the spirit-filled believers of the church to be united under the one person, Jesus Christ, I don't think how we can ever expect the United States to be united along those lines. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to ask us, hey, how can we do this? How specifically can I bridge this gap? I think secondly, that we need to not just be spirit led, but we need to be incarnational. We have this idea among Baptists and evangelicals that, you know, as long as I go and do this here and there, like a little bit, then, then that works. Um, like what uh, Mike talked about last week, that taking care of orphans and widows. Uh, I grew up in a tradition like, yeah, if we would go visit the orphans occasionally or go to the nursing home occasionally, then we've done our duty. But it, it's not. Uh, this this word is to oversee, is to be a part, is to be incarnational. And so it's not just a quality time here and there. There's a quantity time. We have to be embodied, uh, surrounded uh, by our brothers and sisters of Christ 
uh, of those different races. And, and uh, we want to make sure that we do this. And so we don't have to be incarnational. Uh, the Spirit leads different people to do different ways. But the way that God has called us, just as an example, and this is not to toot our own horns because uh, this is only from God. But the way that God has called us to do this is to work with foster care. Um, and uh, which uh, if it doesn't lead us across the racial divides, it definitely leads us to most often a lower SES, social economic status, than we are. And so we work with foster care. The Lord has led me to work in prison ministry. Um, and and again, it's just incarnational. It's to, to bring them in their house or to continue to be a part of them on a consistent basis. And so we need to be spirit led. We need to be uh, incarnational. We also have to be intentional. You can't just say, all right, it's going to happen. We Yeah, everyone's welcome. You guys all come. Uh, we have to be intentional. We have to set up steps because our natural proclivity and tendency is to go with people that look like us or that have about the same amount of money of us. And we have to be intentional to tear down those walls. And then finally, uh, we have to be educational about it. Uh, we have to learn. I love what Paul says in Romans 12 that, uh, therefore, uh, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world that seems to make these silos of different races, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That one living sacrifice Paul is talking about there is bringing together Jews and Gentiles together, these two groups that hated each other. And the only way that we can do that is by the renewing of our Minds And so part of that being intentional is reading, is understanding. Uh, one of my favorite books uh, along these lines is Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson. But I encourage you to ask um, uh, other people, um, ask Mike, you know, wh- which books do I need to be reading in order to understand and get this? Speaking of foster uh, children, we have uh, some in our house right now. And the other day, this foster uh, daughter asked me, she said, hey, mom, Sadie says that you know a lot of languages. Could you teach me one? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, what about German? She's like, no. I was like, okay, what about Greek? She's like, no. I was like, what about Hebrew? She's like, no. And then she's like, can you teach me Turkish? No. She's like, can you teach me Hungarian? Like, wow, now that's a hard language. And she's like, well, can you teach me Bulgarian? I was like, Bulgarian? I didn't even know Bulgarian was a language. Uh, and so my tendency, what I wanted to just like, forget it. If you don't learn my languages, then uh, you just go on your, on your own. Good luck. But instead, I, I felt like the Lord saying, you know what? You like language. Won't you learn the language that she wants to learn with her? And so, again, I think often when we talk about uh, the racial divide, we want them to come to us. We want them to do what we want to do instead of us going to, to them. And again, those us and them, God is calling us to come to us, um, to come together under Christ and to meet each other halfway um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement to you today is to be spirit-led, be sensitive, ask God, how can I be incarnate? How, uh, what hammer can you give me to tear down this wall of racism? God, how can I be incarnational? Where, where would you lead me in that situation? What are some books that I can read? What are some things that I can do to understand uh, my own bias, my own blinders? And then finally, uh, what can I do to be intentional? How intentional can I go about this in order to be the people that you've called us to be? Thanks again so much for allowing me to share with you. It's been a blessing. I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you and allow his face to shine upon you, that his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and that through it, uh, we would tear down the walls of racism, that we would be united in the church, so when the people see the unity that we have in the church, the lack of discrimination, the, the lack of favoritism, that they will glorify our Father and be drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks. Goodbye.